Since 1991, ProTaper has led the way in premium control components and prides themselves on providing an exciting, innovative, and complete product line to fulfill the needs of professional racers and weekend riders alike. Through revolutionary ideas like the oversized 1 and 1 8 inch handlebar and the micro handlebar kit, the only control system purpose-built for youth riders, ProTaper continues to push the limits and transform how we experience riding our motorcycles. Visit ProTaper.com for more. Hey everyone, welcome to the ProTaper Kickstart podcast. It is, uh, it's the Monday after, <laughs> choking here, it's the Monday after Atlanta 1. Um, Chase Curtis and I, Don Maeda, are in Swap Moto Live offices in Murrieta, and uh, <clears throat> Michael Antonovich and Alex Ray are calling in remote from Atlanta. So uh, the first thing we need to address is our guy A-Ray going straight from the heat. <laughs> I was pumped yeah. on that, dude. You know, the, yeah, the, worst, was the worst part Honestly. about it is uh, I was driving home from a mountain bike ride, so I had my... You were watching and driving again. Yeah, oh. I, I had my phone on the dashboard on the Rockform magnet mount. And uh, nice. I was just like, you know, listening mostly to the audio and glancing down once in a while. And I'm like, what? And I grab my phone off the dashboard. I'm looking at them all. Ray's an eighth. <laughs> so pumped. Yeah, and to be honest, it's probably the slowest and easiest heat race I've ever made, like, through the main. Like, it's crazy. Like, to be honest, I wish it would have kept raining and been those conditions for the main event. And I honestly think I would have done better. Um, I wasn't really ready for the whole track to just be freaking go fast, wide open of the main event. Just because mm -hmm. I had, I mean, it goes for everybody, I feel like, you know, but I just didn't feel like I had enough track time on the track come main event time. Because what we had yeah, a no. couple laps of qualifying, a heat race, and then the main. And that was, that was it. And but but yeah, I mean the heat race was pretty much the easiest part of the day. It was crazy. I got a la I was last when on the first turn, found what? a hole. Yeah, yeah, I found a hole and I just went through it. And then a lot of people like weren't jumping shit, and I just started fucking jumping, sending it. Sending it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. And then I ran sixth for a few laps, and then uh, I forgot. I think Marv uh, passed me, and then I let uh, Barsha by on the last lap because. I didn't know he crashed and was hurt, but or his face was all bleeding. But um, anytime Barsh is behind me, I just let it. Uh, I don't. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> He's cleaned me out before. I was like, "Hey, man, we're both in freaking transfer spots. You go ahead." So yeah, it was crazy. I qualified good though. I qualified like twentieth. Mm -hmm. um, it was funny because uh, Josh Hill and I were going for that like top spot uh, in that B practice, and he thought he had it, and he was going to, like, throw a whip over the finish line, and then he looked at the board, and he seen that I had beat him that last lap. He's like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, so the was, lap time was, the lap time was super long. Yeah. Um, Anton, I was thinking, what I was thinking about is <clears throat> the lap time's so long, and the track is so big and spread out, that gave you less chances to shoot the guys, right, Michael? Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, like, a, a way worse chance uh and i like okay just like a ray and all those other guys like don you know this but people that are listening don't we need those practice sessions just as much as the riders to, do to figure out what's going on yeah. yeah like you never know what like, what's the good little spot you know on the yep. track or what something guys are doing that's really big or whatever and so to get two practice sessions completely clipped away from us like that was a challenge and no and i thought i was just yeah 
And I thought I was just like, oh, my God, I'm kind of scrambling. But then after the heat races were over, it was nice to hear that everybody was kind of scrambling and caught off guard at a minute and 40 second lap time or a two minute lap time because we were all like, okay, wow, we're really not going to come away with like hundreds and hundreds of shots today. You're mm-hmm. going to you're going to get what you get and be lucky to get it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like I shot MotoGP one, um, two times before down in Texas, and it felt kind of like that, where those guys only come by, you know, one time, and they come by at 200 miles an hour or something. <laughs> yeah. So you have a yeah. limited chance to shoot them. So I was like, when these dudes come by, I'm just holding the trigger open and hoping that something's <laughs> good in there. Yeah. Do, I mean, do we need do we need Chase at uh, Atlanta too, or, or who do we need? <laughs> well, that's the other thing too. We're one of the like. Yeah, you know, Guy V is here by himself for Vital, but, like, every other main photography company, they have multiple guys. Yep. So I'm just kind of like, oh, my God, I better, I got to, like, bust my ass for this one. But it was fun, dude. It was, It's fun, and I cannot wait to see that track tomorrow in the oh, drive yeah. and then under the lights, too, because just it's those... Flip backwards. Yeah, and flip backwards and everything, because just that one practice session that we saw, like, that, that place has a lot of potential to be just so cool to watch dudes ride on yeah. was, was the track so spread out that you couldn't like shoot guys here and then literally turn around and shoot the other way and get them there yeah you couldn't you that. couldn't do that it's like uh yeah it's because the lanes that are tight together there's only like really two of them that's that middle rhythm lane by the finish line and then the whoops there was one other spot well, two other spots really at the at opposite ends. Uh, by those container jumps, you could do it there, like underneath where that cable cam was, and you can actually see me in the 250 main event. Uh, I take Thrasher's photo as he comes around the corner, and then just start hauling ass to run back <laughs> to the finish line on the last lap. Mm-hmm. And then you could go under the over under bridge because they weren't using it, and then you could shoot in the middle of the sand. But then, like that cart cam that they have, the mule that does like 60 miles an hour down the sand. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get over in that section because they didn't get want us getting run over. And uh, after seeing that guy drive, that is a very real possibility. Yeah. Hey, A Ray. Um. So when I first saw the track map, I w- track map, I was stoked, but it kind of seemed like there weren't very uh, many corners to pass and do the block passes. Was it hard to pass at all? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was hard to pass. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes and no, like. There was a few spots that were pretty one line. I don't know if you guys noticed, like after the the three tabletops or yeah. not the three tabletops, the three doubles, uh, the finish line. Mm-hmm. That next chicane section, it was pretty much one line all the way back to that that one turn. I mean, there was a little bit of a split lane right there where there was the inside roller outside, just go around the turn before that little double. But for the most part, there was a lot of one line areas where we were just sort of funneling to it. Um, like you go double and then those rollers and then that that wall after that into that rhythm section we were going inside single onto the table and then inside again into that rhythm section but uh, other than that i feel like the track was okay but it was still fast um the thing the good thing about with the weather it was easy to make up time because a lot of people were making mistakes mm-hmm. dude the jumps were huge there was a couple of really big booters right? there right yeah I don't know what they did with the lips, but the lips were, were straight up and down. They were vertical. They, they <laughs> shot you to the moon. 
Yeah, you could tell that too because guys were just going straight up. They weren't getting like shot forward. Yeah. There was a lot of dudes either clanking and yeah, I mean, Ronnie Stewart in my practice killed himself over the, the third double. He yeah. chased it and just Indonesia over the bars. OTB. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know if Anton's seen this, but the first lap of the 450A practice, how many guys overshot the finish line? Dude. Dude. <laughs> like, okay, so I was talking to Michael Lindsay after – like, during the rain delay and everything, I'm like, yo, how was it for your guys to just turn their brain off and just go out? Because, okay, I missed 250B group, um, so I got out there, I'm watching 250A guys. As soon as they threw the green flag for them to start their session, those guys just started sending it. Like, they were doing every double, first lap, and I was just like, wow, somebody's gonna, like, really get hurt. And uh, I get it, though, because they, once they figured out how long that lap was, you were really only going to get like maybe two chances to set a quick lap time mm-hmm. you know so that that blew me away at how quick everyone committed to doing some of those jumps and then a rate i heard this but i couldn't find out for sure like yeah some of the landings look taller and other things but that wasn't like a spec supercross track like it seemed like the jump heights and distances and stuff like that weren't what you guys were used to at all no no it wasn't it did seem a bit different um the doubles each one of the doubles were were not the same. Like the finish line and the first double were pretty close, and then the third double was like a triple, hmm. which threw us way off. A lot of people. That's why a lot of people cased it. And then, um, and then yeah, the triple. The triple is weird, but like for the rhythm sections, they were super super tight transitions. Um, we were all pretty much doing the same line. There was a different line where you were going like single over table, and then like a uh, three five three. And then, like, sort of, like, single over table and then double into the corner. I've seen Tomac do it in the main event a couple times. But for the most part, everyone was sort of doing the same rhythm because the transitions were super, super tight. And with the dirt being soft, like, from the from the rain, obviously, it, it would sort of chew you up a bit and spit you out. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised we, I mean, thankfully, but we didn't see more bad get-offs because, I mean, with the short amount of time you guys were on the track and then, obviously, the track was a little different, we saw dudes, I mean, throughout the night, even 250, 40 main event, guys were still OJing and underjumping stuff throughout the night. So, yeah. Hmm. Dude, Sexton, like, that, the lap that he thought the race was over, he overjumped the finish line, like, pretty good, too. So yeah. then, you know, that was going to make it hard for him to do that next double. That whole scenario, that last five turns of that lap were just chaos. And And when he said that he didn't think, like, you know, whatever you could, that you know, he didn't know what part of the race he was in or whatever. You could tell that he was pretty flustered because he just missed that whole rhythm line. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So the other thing I need to say is that while I was driving home, <laughs> and the whole Sexton, Cade Clayson thing happened, all I saw was that it was a green bike, and I was going, "Please, God, <laughs> please do not let that be Alex." <laughs> No, no. And then like, I like. What would you guys? What would you guys rather me happen? Just two crashes on my own, get twentieth, and no one sees me in, in the main event, or I get seventeenth, like Cade, but I get into the leader's way and cost him a win. Like yeah, two, which two crashes you... for sure. You know why? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because we don't need any uh, any uh, message board hate on our guy Alex, right? <laughs> 
very true. Very now, true. Now, what has it been? So I, I, I went on to Cade's Instagram shortly after I got home. And I think he had a picture of his bike or something. But I just, there was like 75 comments or something. And so yeah. I expanded the comments. And the first one was all, I'm just here before the hate. Right? And then I like looked down yeah. and there's people, get out of the way, blah, blah, blah. I didn't scan the whole thing. But I'm wondering, was it as gnarly as if Freezy would have got it? Like, were people telling him to retire No, stuff? no. No, it wasn't near as gnarly as Freezy, I think, because I don't know if they're – I think what they showed on the broadcast, there wasn't really a blue flag. And then also, um, I don't know, there was a couple reasons, I guess you could say, uh, with Cade, I guess he had mentioned um, to me. I forgot earlier, but, but yeah, I don't think it was as bad as – I say like Dino or or Freeze. Yeah, right. I mean, just dude, that 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 bums me out when you get people like you should retire. You suck. You yeah, know, that whole thing and, we and, talked and, about. And like too, anyone like, who makes Sexton, him... Sexton seen him. Sexton seen that he was right in front of him, and he, and he sort of just jumped into the side of Cade. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Poor Cade, and like though. good on Cade too. Like, Cade knew that he was in a bad position because look at how he just dives off the track. Like, he knows, like, get me the fuck out of here. Like, I don't <laughs> want any more part to be with any of this. Like, just let me get out of here. Yeah. And uh, there's really, you know, not a lot that it seemed like Cade could have done. You know, if he would have went even – he was going too fast off that first double into the corner to make it to that inside line, and those guys were closing on him so quick. And if he would have crossed over to go try it, to go high in that next berm, then he's at risk of cross jumping guys, you know, and that's an that's another disaster and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks, but like Avery, you guys know, and I'm sure you feel this. Like those guys just have to understand. Try to pass a lapper on your own rather than relying on the blue flag or thinking that that guy's going to move out of the way because it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. You know, nothing against the lappers or anything like that, but. Dude, so much stuff happens so fast on a supercross track. You can't rely on outside factors to decide it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, you got a lot of variables. You know, you're trying to focus on what you're doing. You're having to hit supercross triples, whoops, rhythm sections with ruts, and then you also got to look at a blue flag and wonder when the leaders are coming around. There's a lot of different factors that a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just something that we have to deal with. Uh, but I mean. Yeah, I mean it sucks. You know, it sucks for Sexton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know he'll. So, I mean, hey, he's he's learning from his mistakes. I feel like there's a win coming soon for him. Yeah. And this is just one of the hurdles he's got to get around. Yeah. I I texted Clayton and was like, "Hey, buddy, send me how was your weekend?" And he just sent me back. The, you know the, uh, you know the emoji with the straight line, eyes and mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, better to address it and speak than to hide and let the uh, message board bandits tear you up. And he wrote back, you're right. Those guys can eat my ass. <laughs> and he sent me a thing. But then, but then what else is cool is how classy Sexton was on the podium. Yeah. And in his How Was Your Weekend, he didn't even address it. He didn't even say a lapper held me. He just said there was some mayhem. Did he in person, Anton, did you see any uh, yelling after the finish or, you know, like the whole Rox and Dino thing? No, I mean, he knew that that was his mistake. Like, okay, Cade got there, but then everything that happened after that was, was his mistake, too. You know, he thought that... he. I, okay, I can see now how he thought that the blue flag was the white flag. Like, when he said that, 
you know, in the press conference and by the podium, I was like, dude, how do you think that? Like, what? You know, but then I see that the blue flag waved for Cade when he went up the face of that jump. So I could see where they would think like, oh, yeah, you know, or, or no, it was the lap before that when he was passing somebody. The blue flag got thrown, so he could have thought that was the white flag. Mm-hmm. So I was totally like, all right, that's believable now, whatever. Maybe sex but is yeah, colorblind. I don't know. I, I mean, at daytime, so who knows if the blue looks white. Yeah. You know, like especially when you're that just focused in, like whatever could happen. But he took it on the chin. You know, he knew that that one got from him. And I think that especially for a guy like Sexton, like you might want to, it would be great to get a win, you know, regardless of anything, but he's that kind of dude that seems like he wants to win one straight up, not be gifted one because somebody fell in front of him or anything Mm -hmm. like that. He really wants to show everybody like, Hey dude, I am one of the top guys here because of how much of his 250 career was like, well, he only won races and championships because Fortran wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Like, no, he's a legit bad dude now. Like he's good. He wants to show everybody, no, I'm I'm worthy of everything that I got going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And no, he didn't seem he didn't seem bummed about it at all. Okay, in person, was it apparent that Eli was on a rampage coming? Because on you know, from watching T V broadcasts, it's just like, Oh, Eli came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um and I that's what I brought up to him in the press conference. So A P goes down and you can like you can hear the crowd, you know, make noise and uh, you know, Ray, I don't know what you thought, but it seemed like the crowd was pretty loud, given how many yeah. people were there. Oh, they were loud on TV too, dude. It it yeah, almost seemed like they were pumping in crowd noise. I was like, dude, yeah. how is how are <laughs> this many people that loud? It's, it's not that loud, right? Um, yeah. But then, okay, so AP went down in the middle of the track, and I couldn't see where he went down. But then instantly, you could tell that Eli just went on a charge. Like as soon as he came by where I was standing at. It was like he found another gear. The bike mm-hmm. was louder. He was charging way, way harder in the sections. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, once that it was Sexton in the lead and Cooper ahead of him, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I know I have this now because that big lead that EP had was, was eliminated. Mm-hmm. But I think even if they would have, like, Chase not have made that mistake and not tapered off, um, you know, after he crossed the finish line, like overdrop the finish line, missed that next double and all that after Eli had already passed, Eli was pushing so hard in that last lap. Like, mm-hmm. once he got into the lead, he's like, okay, I'm going to really extend it now. Because he was racing, like, full bore up until he hit the last whoop section, you know, three, four turns from the finish line. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, uh, what about AP, man? Poor man, guy. Man, I was so sad. Dude, I know. He crashed. Honestly, he crashed right after he lapped me. <laughs> and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> that sucks." <laughs> I know because I really wanted to see him win. Yeah. Uh, so what? Yeah. Dude, when you're when you're getting lapped like that, and you you see the blue flag for the first time, are you like, "Who's winning?" And then when when AP went by, you know, I know you and AP are boys, right? Well, no, like I seen AP go by, I'm like, "Oh shit, that's badass." And then mm-hmm. I look back and I'm like, "Oh shit, this dude has a lead." Yeah. Because there wasn't really anybody behind me. I was like. Holy cow! Like this dude must be ripping. Mm-hmm. And then to see him crash like that, it's just it's just like a bummer because you know, yeah, like we are all our, our friends and stuff. So yeah, it's sort of a bummer, but you know, it should happen. Yeah. So uh, did, did he catch his foot peg? Like, did he catch his right foot peg or something like that? Like, obviously the bike was already going down, but it seems like he got caught, and then it looked like he got his boots caught like on his handlebars too. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
it just looked like he like washed the front or something or his one of his tires went over the rut in that section. <clears throat> okay. Poor guy. Okay, so two V D class. Nate Thrasher's pretty much start to finish. Dude. Dude, I'm stoked. Another Tennessee guy just freaking ripping it up out there. He yeah. was riding well too. So sick. So the funny thing is so I just did a uh uh O'Neill Supercross quarantine show with him and he's like Hell yeah. he's pumped about it, but he's just so uh he's he's level. Like he's not like, Yeah, that was sick. You know, he's just like, Oh yeah, I knew I was gonna get on the podium when I came there. He told me that he uh made a lot of progress on starts and whoops in the uh during the three week break and he was going to uh Atlanta more confident than he had been all season long, so he he felt he was bound for the podium, but he didn't expect to win. But still, the guy was just like not—he wasn't as amped up as I thought he would be. You know? Is he? Do you know him that well, Alex? At all? Uh, no, I don't. I've you know I've hung out with him quite a few times. Uh, just sort of like being in Southern California, uh, we have mutual friends. But I mean, for the most part, no. I mean, I'm quite a bit older than he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, he is from Livingston, Tennessee, which is actually cool. They have there's like a track in Livingston, Tennessee, and it was one of, like, one of my favorites, you know, growing up, and, uh, I don't know, I just think it's crazy, you know, another Tennessee dude out there, I mean, there's not much of us, you know, it's like me, Mike Brown, uh, Nathan Ramsey, and then Thrasher, and that's almost it, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. It's gnarly to me, too, because I remember, I mean, I think it was just two years ago, Casey Davis and I went to Loretta's, Don, for Mm -hmm. Fast. Dude, Thrasher was on a super mini there. And I was like, man, this kid is so tall on that <laughs> bike. But yeah, now look at him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay, know, so that was. Uh, he that was freaking great. That yeah. was a super, uh, you know, it was a commanding win. First win, first podium. Mm-hmm. But uh, were people just freaking out at the races, guys? I mean, were they like, oh my God, Thrasher won. Yeah, I mean, everyone was freaking out. I mean, we're all sitting on the gate for the 450 class, and we were watching it happen, and a lot of the dudes, like, were just feeling it for the kid, you know? Like, I mean, it, it was it was cool to see, to be honest. I mean, him being, like, a rookie coming up and, you know, and not having the best of year to start out with and then just slowly getting better and then, boom, like a win. I don't know. It was just something cool to see. Mm-hmm. Dude, he had a he had a really good cheering section too. Because I mean, Avery, what's that drive like? Four four hours or so from where you guys yeah, are from? Yeah, it's, it's not far at all. Yeah, it's not far at all. Yeah, he said yeah, that was so his every time he came race. by. Oh yeah, and like every time he came by the front straightaway, people were just losing their minds. Like you could hear him in the stands. Yeah, you could hear it on TV yeah. actually, and even his his uh podium interview, it got pretty loud on the broadcast. That's cool. Um, so. Dude, how about McAdoo? He got so lucky. Dude, and he there raced. was just chaos. It was chaos <laughs> behind Thrasher. I mean, like the whole day, McAdoo was was exciting, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, he, these conditions, I feel like he should have, like, thrived. But he was sending it a little bit too hard for the way the, the track was, I feel like. Yeah. That, that crash over the, the box jump was sketch. Could have been bad. Sketch. Is it hard to time those areas? Because it seems like they're really steep on oh, the downside. Yeah. yeah, it's hard because you're coming in with a lot of speed. You don't. You like you're on the brakes coming up to it, 
and sometimes you'll get on the brakes too much and then other times like you'll get a twitch and then your foot will slide off the peg a bit and you'll miss the rear brake and then you'll launch off the thing and go into the stands. Jeez. Not speaking from experience or anything. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, those things are, yeah, those things are hard to time for sure. Yeah. Hey, how was it to drop down the backside of that and then into a burly whoop (laughs) section? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the third lap of the main event, A-Ray was on his head right there. So, I mean, uh, it wasn't fun. (laughs) Were you, uh, did you guys upshift a bunch of gears or did you like downshift? Like, because you had to come so fast. We sort of stayed in the same, I think we sort of stayed in the same gear. Some people may have shifted up one, but, uh, you're coming so fast into that thing. And then coming down into that, you're already going pretty good, like entry speed. So, I mean, it wouldn't be hard to get up on top of the whoops. It was just really sketchy because a lot of the guys were jumping them, going like 2-2-2 two, two, two or 2-3. Um, so, a lot of, like, the guys who were skimming were shifting up, but the guys who were jumping weren't. They were probably staying in the same gear. Mm-hmm. So, you said uh, the track is reversed, so they're using the same layout and probably just changing the jumps, or they change the jumps completely for tomorrow? Um, a lot of the stuff is the same. I've, I've seen a little bit of it today. Um, they did turn it around backwards. Um, uh, it looks pretty much like the same racetrack except for backwards. So you think it'll work out better this way? I mean, like that one whip section you were just talking about, that'd probably be a little bit less intimidating. Mm, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. To be honest, I had a lot of fun riding the track in practice this this past Saturday. Um, I don't know how it's going to be going this way. Um, it's going to be a lot drier, a lot more hard packed than it was on Saturday, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like a, a rhythm section where that burly whoop section was, like that we popped over the, the tabletop thing. Yeah. The, instead of a whoop section there, it's going to be a rhythm section. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, I'm excited to see how it's going to be, but it's also going to be one line in a few of those mobile spots. Mm-hmm. Hi, Swap Moto Live listeners. This is Alex Martin. At Arai, every helmet is handcrafted with dedication to pursue gains and protection, and that is exactly why I choose to race in an Arai helmet. This lifeblood of obsession with protection is driven by a single shareholder and runs through every person who builds an Arai helmet. This is what sets Arai apart. This is Arai. Who does Ken Roxon, Chase Sexton, Hunter Lawrence, Jet Lawrence, Mitch Evans, and four-time world champion Tim Geyser turn to for power? Yoshimura, since 1954. Since 2005, Risk Racing has been a leading innovator within the motocross industry, all while doing it in their own unique way. Whether you are looking for the premier motocross transport system, the Lock and Load Pro, or the EZ Utility Jug, the fuel can of choice for me, SGB Racing's Alex Ray. Risk Racing is there to be your go-to motocross shopping destination. Head over to riskracing.com today and see their entire product line. Use code SWAP at checkout to receive 15% off the entire purchase. Hey everyone, Don Moyetta here. Over the past 20 years, I've built a ton of cool motocross project bikes. When it comes to choosing a great wheel set, my first call is always to the crew at WUSA. Importers and distributors of Talon, Kite, Han, and Edge Hubs, the wheel building team at W is unrivaled when it comes to lacing them up to DID or Excel rims. 
Let's be honest now. Next cleaning air filters or changing oil. Tightening spokes is one of the most tedious jobs when it comes to working on your bike. When it comes to wheel sets from W though, you know that they'll stay straight and true and the spokes will almost always stay tight. There's a reason that factory teams and top riders everywhere rely on W. When it comes to anything wheel related, your one-stop shop is WUSA.com. Check them out. Hey, what's up guys? This is Connor Erickson, but you probably know me best as Buttery Films. Temecula T-shirt printers handles all of my merch needs and also services many other big players in motocross. Whether you're starting a brand or just want some team t-shirts printed, there's no one that does better work or has a service as good as these guys. Check them out online at TemeculaTshirtPrinters.com. Hey, this is Colt Nichols of the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team, and I rely on Guiltless Food Co. to keep me fueled properly, feeling 100%, and is super convenient. It's healthy food that doesn't suck. Sign up at GuiltlessFoodCo.com. Out here, on the edge, failure is no option. Here, you don't compromise. Off-road, on-road, on the track, off the grid. Sunstar sprockets and brake discs come installed in more motorcycles and all-terrain vehicles than any other in the world. Period. The engineers who design your bike trust and spec Sunstar for the same reason you should. Because here, on the edge, failure is no option. Sunstar, number one in sprockets and brake discs. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Live podcast for additional discounts in the shop. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota of Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Hey guys, it's Ryan Villapoto. Now that I'm living the retired life and not bound to factory team sponsors, I'm able to choose my partners when it comes to building my bikes. I choose Backyard Designs to create my motorcycle graphics because they do a great job. Their kits look great, go on easy, and last long. Backyard Design has the most comprehensive and user-friendly graphic website in the sport. Use the discount code SWATMOTO at checkout for a discount at BackyardDesignsUSA.com. So, uh, what is the buzz with, uh, you know, obviously Roxon, I think he finished ninth and dropped yeah. a bunch of points. Is it like, is there, are people Yeah, like, he was, <sighs> he was down on the ground in the first turn, um, because I know because I hit his bike. <laughs> and I had to like back up out of it and like go around and then he was like on a rampage doing a bunch of sketchy shit in the first couple laps because he almost landed on tickle in that last double and I thought I was going to see one of my other friends die in front of me mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah he was just doing some sketchy stuff the first few laps to try and rush up to get to the lead group Yeah. Um, but once I feel like once he got to like ninth he just sort of stayed there mm -hmm. Yeah. couldn't really make any passes on TV, it looked like by the end of the first, 
Maybe it was the end of the second lap. He was in 10th place, and then yeah, I guess he just passed one more guy throughout the night. Crazy, yeah. Hey, Michael, how many uh, points off of Kenny is Eli? Um, I'm well, close. Right now. It's getting close. close. Yeah. yeah. It's getting close, and it's kind of to the point right now um, where not only is Cooper, like, depending on how the rest of this week goes, he has a p- potential to this thing up a race early. Yeah. Um, He's four, Eli's 14 points behind Ken. Eli could pretty much hop over Ken and take over second in the championship. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's a complete possibility. That's like everybody in the press conference keeps asking Eli, like, hey, you know, what about defending the championship? He's, I mean, he's 36 points down. He knows it's, it's a long shot, mm-hmm. but he knows that second place overall is, is likely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to the last four races that we do have, sort of catered more towards Eli. Yeah. I mean, you got two more outdoor races that are pretty much like Daytona, which he's won the past fucking five years. Mm-hmm. And then you have two Salt Lake rounds, which he's grown up in altitude, and he's shown last year that he's he's good there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like, to me, I feel like it's a good job that he gets second in the championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing, too, that kind of goes along with this Ken just doesn't seem like I'll be surprised to see how he does tomorrow. I'm very interested in that, but he's really come off as not being a mud rider and I'm, I'm blown away because you would think that like his technique and his riding style and his yeah. like background would make him the ultimate mud rider. Yep. And this is like two mud races now that he hasn't done very well. And I'm like kind of scratching my head, you know, like Salt Lake city, even before, we went to the track on Saturday. I started thinking about Salt Lake City 3 last year, the rain race. Mm. And I was like, hey, man, that's probably how this one's going to end up being. Like, it'll rain all day. The track will get pretty messed up, but it won't be a typhoon during the actual race. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be killing bikes and everything like that. So let's see what happens. And, uh, yeah, for Ken's, like, riding style and all that, I was, you know, yeah, he had a really chaotic first couple of laps, but I was surprised he wasn't a bigger factor after he got around, like, Chisholm. He just stayed in place after that yeah was it a was it a sticky heavy mud that like grabbed you and stuck on you Mr. i don't i honestly don't think so like a ray you would know for sure but it was greasy like and there were a lot of really hard slick spots too like mm-hmm. where the because they didn't like keep ripping the dirt up mm-hmm. that base was really really slick dude. yeah i mean dude like the first few laps of the heat race the, it was Ice. Ice. And then it started get tacking up, and then the sun came out. The main events of the track was pretty much... I would say it wasn't normal, but it was pretty close to, say, like, Indy, where they backdragged, like, the dirt, and it's super soft the first couple laps. So everything you hit is, like, sinks your bike in, and it, or you almost lose all your momentum going up the face of the lip. Hmm. Um, it got better, but, yeah, I mean, the track was freaking gnarly all day. Hey, did you change your suspension much from the more nah, traditional Supercross tracks? No? No, nah, I didn't touch it. Where everything worked good? No, obviously, because it's SGB suspension. I mean, you got to, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got also got to think. I mean, you want this stuff stiff, too, because, dude, all the jumps were walls, man. Mm-hmm. They were, like, crazy. And then, like, the rhythm section, the transitions were so tight. And the whoops were actually gnarly. I mean, there was only a handful of guys that were getting halfway through them, halfway decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh no. So uh <clears throat> I I the the whole Thrasher thing was really amazing. Um Cooper coming through to get second, you know, he said to me that he was uh really lucky to get off of that heat race crash, okay. Um how do you guys see the rest of this week in Atlanta panning out in the two fifties? Is it still gonna be a wild who knows who wins situation? I think so. I think I think uh Hunter kinda got robbed a little bit. Um obviously it was a little bit of his own mistake, but I think he had a little bit more for everyone else, so I think he'll be one to watch the next two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that two fifty class is, is exciting to me. Like I mean, obviously, no one really predicted Thrasher. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys like that that are just could come out and win or get a podium. Yeah. I mean, geez, what? Justin Cooper is the only two-time winner. Yeah. And we've got two rookies winning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <clears throat> um, okay, so we've got a race tomorrow. Is it a uh, – it's a little later in the day, though, right, guys? It's not – practice at 6 a.m. or something yeah it's uh tomorrow i guess it's back to a regular schedule so you guys will be racing at like 4 30 here oh, yeah. yeah yeah i don't know what do you think about the lighting situation there a ray is it going to be lit up okay like uh, th- i haven't really s- i haven't seen it in the dark because um, daytona is darker than a traditional race right yeah but i feel like here it'll, they'll be able to get away with it because the dirt's not black you know what i mean and it's the same lighter play it's the same people doing the auxiliary lights too it's uh that musco company so Mm -hmm. they have the same big light trucks like parked in a couple spots along pit road to shine extra light down Mm -hmm. um they had it was weird they had the lights on in the stadium or alongside the racetrack above the stand uh, above the stands on saturday in the middle of the day which i didn't think they needed to do but I think it'll be okay. That that track they have a lot of uh, nighttime stuff at, and so they they run a lot of stuff there um, already. So I think it, like a Ray said, it should be okay. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Uh, you know what I would be as a racer concerned about though is the shadows because now <clears throat> we're later in the year. You know, it's a day race. It's outside daylight savings time and all that stuff has happened. It's getting it's staying light later. So I have to wonder how you guys will be with harsh shadows or the sun in your eyes or something like that. Mm. I mean, yeah, too, because, I mean, here it's just now getting dark and it's 8.30. So we're going to be having oh, to run the heat races in the daylight. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like the sun may be in our eyes. Quite a bit. Hmm. So, uh, okay, we got a race tomorrow and then Saturday, but you're coming home. In between Salt Lakes, right, Ray? You're not staying to ride yeah. mountain bikes. You're too conscientious. Yeah, Don't a, you know that fun a, takes a, pr- uh, a priority? Yeah, I know it. But <laughs> oh wait, you know what? I want. I knew what I wanted to ask you. What was that helmet, dude? What was the helmet? Is that was a paint wearing? job or is that? No, no, it was a helmet wrap. Uh, we had to. We had to do a helmet wrap for Mayhew Tools. We have to do uh, like a wrap. Uh, the helmet, like I think on three Supercross races, so that was Jason. Oh, so that was uh, a sponsor. telling me to put a helmet wrap on my bike or on my helmet. Did you did you apply it yourself? Yes, I did. Was it hard? Yes. <laughs> I thought it was a Tomac. I don't know. Wrap, I don't know how good of a job I did, but 
You know, I, the first thing I thought of was back in the day, just before the company folded, Extreme made their own helmets, and they weighed like nine pounds. <laughs> but they made one yeah. that looked like your helmet like your helmet wrap. I was like, why is Alex running an Extreme helmet? <laughs> Dude, I wish I would have been able to wear like one of those mud skin helmet things. <laughs> you know what, what I mean? Did, did, like, did the wrap like, material uh, grab on the mud more than a regular paint job? Uh... No, I mean, I, th- I thought it worked pretty decent, to be honest. Yeah. Didn't look that sweet, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It works, though. So, hey, how about the uh, the people that believed our April Fool's joke? We had to, like, post, Dude, a, right? post a clarification post. Come on. Yeah, I don't know what the heck that was about. But, like, people, I guess they don't know how to read very well or something. I don't know. Because we we put April Fools on the post. Yeah. But yeah, we had to do an appreciation post. My uh, my hashtag uh, on the post was four slash one. Yeah. Know, April Fools Day. But so who who one of your major sponsors didn't get it right? Are, are you allowed to say who it yeah. was? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember who it was. Um, I think it was the main one, but who knows? <laughs> I think it was. Did you get any? Did you get any fans saying anything to you? Uh. No, not not the, not yesterday, but I definitely got a lot of DMs. Really? People like saying like, oh, dude, I thought it was real, but then I read it and it was fake. I was like, yeah. But Any team offers? No. I w- no. <laughs> hey, hey, so on that April Fool's thing, right, the the picture that uh, So Good Bike Jason supplied me of you leaning against the door with the parts yeah. tally. Dude, the, I remember the first time I saw that. The second part of the door that says like merch sales on the SGB website. I remember Captain yeah. Zero was smoking you, and you only had like 120 bucks or something, right? No, bro, I'm leading. I'm you're leading, leading now. now. Oh wow. Oh yeah. I'd like to think. Oh, yeah. I'd like to think that you're leading because of the plugs on the podcast. Because I haven't seen you. I would s- like to think so too. Yeah. I, so okay. So if you're listening, sgbracing.com. Go to the merch site support the team but in the notes right on behalf of alex ray and wendy and then yeah. after you're done with that maybe whenever we get back from atl i'll be able to drop my merch alexray.co yeah everybody can go to alexray.co and buy my merch because it's going to be go. awesome and support Bell. alex's new helmet fund new helmet paint job yeah fun. a new helmet paint job <laughs> i know well Jeez. guys i hate to cut it short but I've got a tax appointment tonight in 15 minutes, so I have to pin it home. (laughs) I have to be home in 15 minutes, so uh, we're going to wrap up the Kickstart podcast after Atlanta 1 right now. Best of luck tomorrow night, Alex, and, of course, on Saturday. We'll we'll call check in on you before then. But, uh, yeah, Anton, stay – well, I don't have to say stay dry because it's not going to be muddy this time, but uh, stay safe out there. Pick up some wrap snacks for me if you see them. (laughs) I will. I I thought about doing that uh, today, actually. (laughs) All right. Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you next Monday. Since 1991, ProTaper has led the way in premium control components and prides themselves on providing an exciting, innovative, and complete product line to fulfill the needs of professional racers and weekend riders alike. Through revolutionary ideas like the oversized 1 1⁄8 inch handlebar and the micro handlebar kit, the only control system purpose-built for youth riders, ProTaper continues to push the limits and transform how we experience riding our motorcycles. Visit ProTaper.com for more.